Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It is the most amazing, uncanny ability of any human being I have ever seen. During the break, the four-minute break from 56 to O or from O to 4, you know, at the top of the hour, Larry King would nap. He would fall asleep in front of you. He would fall asleep in front of you. He was asleep. You go, whoa, what is this? He was asleep. And then he would get up, and then he would do the next hour. And you go, my God, how can anybody do that? What a great ability that is. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All righty, then. Let me clean up a little bit of business here before we really get into the can show. Can I make a quick plug? Please. Sure. Based, based on uh, Monday's show where you, where you had Leon and, and you were talking about Henry Aaron along with Larry King, I highly recommend the MLB specials on the sounds of baseball with Costas and Verducci. Just for a person my generation, I've heard of these games, these stories, these calls, and I, and I sat down and I watched much of the Vince Scully one and the Al Michaels one, and I wrote you immediately after right, the right, Al right. call for the 1989 World Series. But this is, it's fantastic. It was early on in the pandemic, so it's from Costas's house, but it, it just, it got me ready for pitchers and catchers. We are very big fans of Costas in this, in this house. Across this table, Uncle Benny's table, we are very, very big fans of Long Island's own Comac South High School, Robert Costas. We're fans of his. Now, I got a nice note from Tamara. I wanted to make sure that Tamara, that I acknowledge Tamara's nice note. That was very, very nice. I got and the most interesting thing. Well, not the most interesting thing. I got a nice note from Ross Davis, who is no longer at the hotel where I used to park. Um, he's left the hotel. So it's really, he said, I wanted to let you know that due to the pandemic, I'm no longer at the Westin Georgetown. However, if you need to park there, I have arranged for your spot to still be held Little's Helping Bigs. That's so nice from Ross Davis. If you're out of the area, parking in the West End, hard to come by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a beautiful hotel and very nice to do that. I got a fantastic note from a man named Ross DeBello, who is running for mayor of Cleveland. Running for mayor of Cleveland. And it it just says this. It's about Brad Hand. No, I hope you and your family are safe in these times. I write to you as I recently saw the episode uh, after the Capitol was stormed uh, and a new political... um, climate candidate uh, motivated I am by the state of our times. I'm 38 years old and you and Mr. Wilbon have been a near daily part of my life for half of my life. I'm one of the biggest sports fans you will ever meet. I actually remember you and Wilbon making sporadic appearances on the sports reporters when I was a kid. I am writing to you um, if, if, to find out if you have the means to donate to my campaign. Thanks for writing me for money to donate to his campaign. Take He's running stones. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I, and I just, I am so taken by this. He says Cleveland is now number one in the nation in poverty and truly um, run in, in you know, a democratic machine form. It, it's, he says, don't worry if you don't give me money, but I'm actually writing you for money. So I had some people who are from Cleveland nice check him handwriting. out. Check him out. And they said he has no chance to win. But I was taken by this. So if anybody knows. We spent a lot of money on stationery. Yes. They're lovely stationery, actually. <laughs> if anybody knows. Ross DeBello, tell him that I, I was, yes, I'm taken by that. The onions of that, I am taken by that. And I didn't read this the other day, and I probably should have read this because it was interesting. When, when we talked about the four pair of sketchers that came, one of those pairs is right now on the feet of Sean. Right, Sean? You have them on. I do, yes. And they're great. And you love them. I and do. you love them. They're fantastic. Okay, Dear Tony, Howie Long and Skechers see and hear you. The enclosed pairs were handpicked by Howie Long in your size, 10 and a half, 
Please wear them in good health. This is Skechers and H. Long, it's signed. Now, my now, guess what is- What are the chances of that? Zero. My guess is that Howie Long has <laughs> no idea this happened. Now, and that's fine. But if they want to say that, that's fine. Because I did shout out when we did Howie Long's birthday. I said, hey, can you hook me up with some Skechers? Ten and a half. And they did that. Now, Sean, can you feel the memory foam? I I, can't, I haven't walked around it. I don't think they've developed memory yet. I literally had them on short for term. 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> short term memory. memory. And at my age, you lose that. You know, you lose that pretty quickly. So today, Nigel, why don't you explain what you came over to the house with today? Uh, well, along with the bagel sandwiches, I had a package from Skechers, where I believe there were two more pairs of shoes. Two uh, more pairs. a box for you that arrived at my flat uh, yesterday. Um, I have okay. enough sketches to open a store. Now, it's only 10 and a half. Yeah, very limited. It's very limited. But if you're 10 and a half, <laughs> you can come and old. buy these sketches. Here's the note this. Thank you for giving sketches a shout out on Pardon the Interruption and on your podcast. We're grateful for your support. We hope you enjoy your new pairs of sketches. Please don't hesitate to get in touch. Best your friends at Skechers. So I have two more. And, and it, I'm, I, like part of me says, okay, thanks. But, you know, you can't keep sending these things. <laughs> But, you know, what do you think, Michael? I, I love it. Like, this. Michael's now, shut out because he's got his feet are too big. I know, but I get, I get small. random text messages from friends saying, hey, I love I'm the story of shoes, 10 and a half. Not asking, just saying. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> so thank you to all the people at Skechers. Thank you very, very much. And um, But, but okay, okay, enough. Um, I, I, would, I would like to open the show with the Hall of Fame, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is the only Hall of Fame that matters, uh, and I'll get to that in a second. Yesterday, the way it works is the Baseball Writers of America, card-carrying Baseball Writers of America, who are deemed to be people that cover all the time, ballots are sent out, and you have to be named on 75% of these ballots. Some people name one person or two people. I think you can name up to 10. Some people name 10. Some people release who they name. Some people don't. This is the prerogative of voting. You can do whatever you want. I have always felt, unlike Michael Wilbon, who thinks they're all sleaze bums. I have always felt that they take their job seriously, that they cover, that they watch, that they know who's great. And I've always felt that the Baseball Hall of Fame was by far the best Hall of Fame because they had the highest percentage of great players in it. The other Halls of Fame have good players and very good. And baseball has some of them, too, that are very good. I think you could probably argue against Ted Simmons, who got in on a Veterans Committee vote last year. I'm not sure that Craig Biggio, even though he's a Long Island boy, I'm not sure he's a Hall of Famer. And there are people like that, that you're just not sure they're Hall of Famers. But in the main, people are great baseball players. Yesterday, the Hall of Fame announced that nobody got 75% of the vote. So nobody was getting in this year. This is the fourth time that has happened. This does not happen in the NFL Hall of Fame. This does not happen in the Basketball Hall of Fame. They send in carloads of people year after year after year. Six, seven, eight people. Every single year they send them in. And what happens, and I'm not sure, I don't want to be too critical about, I don't want to be too critical about uh, football because there are so many positions, so many different positions that you could get great players at all of these different positions and it could be legitimate. And it's, the game changes faster than yeah. baseball. Yes. Oh, baseball does hardly changes. Um, so, although it has changed with the closer, that has changed things around. Right, but that's why it's even bigger when you, say a position. you haven't had zero inductees since baseball shifted. The last time was, what, 1960-something? Oh, no, no, no. The last time was 2013. Oh, it was. 2013. It's four times since about 1970 or something like that, in that area of time. Um, because they had a backlog of great players that they could get in. So football, I'm not going to be too argumentative about football because there are so many positions. 
and and you have to represent all those positions or else you don't have a true Hall of Fame. You got to have offensive guards as well as wide receivers. You got to have that. So I will be more critical of the Basketball Hall of Fame because they just put in a million people who scored a lot of points. They have people in the Hall of Fame. This is basketball now. Five people on the court, not nine, not 11, five people on the court. So one person can have an undue influence on that game when compared to the other two games, an undue influence, just by the math of it. They have guys in the Hall of Fame that not only never won anything, and I'm supportive of Charles Barkley being in the Hall of Fame and John Stockton and Carl Malone being in the Hall of Fame. They got to finals. They have guys in who never got to anything. They got a guy in who never got to the second round. He never got to the second round of the playoffs, and he's a Hall of Famer. And so to me, that's devalued compared to baseball. So I said, I was talking with Wilbon yesterday on the air, and I said I was happy that they didn't take anybody in because it showed the integrity of it. And Wilbon got all over me, rightfully so, for using the word integrity, and he basically explained that everybody cheats in baseball and they have no integrity, and so don't talk to me about integrity. What I should have said was the integrity of the vote. That's really what I meant, not the integrity of the player, but the integrity of the vote. But this leads us, for example. So with the integrity of the vote, what do you think about so many so many on the committee not sending in their ballot? Because they feel that they didn't want to vote for anybody because they were cheaters. The people at the top of the ziggurat, as Tom Wolf would have said, were cheaters. When Scott Rowland gets 40% of Scott Rowland, stop it. Scott Rowland is an average third baseman on the Philadelphia Phillies. The third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies who's in, Michael Jack Schmidt, is one of the two or three greatest third basemen in the history of the world. Don't talk to me about Scott Rowland or Billy Wagner. Please, please don't insult my intelligence. They're not Hall of Famers. If Don Mattingly's not a Hall of Famer, get out of here with these people. But there are three names out there that need to be talked about. Maybe actually four because I'm going to bring in Pete Rose. My position is pretty simple on the people who cheated. That you put them in. I don't know how you have a Hall of Fame and the guy who had the most hits of all time, Pete Rose, who gambled and broke the rule. Broke the rule. Cardinal rule, actually, of baseball gambling. I don't know you don't have him in or at least have an exhibit of him and explain why he's not in. How many people people have disqualified him? How many commissioners? I mean, I think you have to have that. Barry Bonds has more home runs than everybody. Barry Bonds didn't use steroids his whole career. Barry Bonds is a great player. I don't know how you don't have him in with an exhibit or a plaque in which it is noted what you accuse him of doing. But I think he should be in. I mean, I think that Bonds and Clemens, more so than Sosa and Manny, and Alex Rodriguez, he's an admitted cheat. He said, yeah, I did it. I cheated. I don't think he's getting in, but his his record is fantastic. I mean, he's just got numbers that are just stunning. Alex Rodriguez, I think an accommodation has to be made for the steroid era, for these people, maybe a separate room, maybe something. I think something has to be made. Now, this leads us to Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, throughout much of his career, was a pretty good pitcher. Not a great pitcher, pretty good pitcher. But at the end of Kurt Schilling's career, in both Arizona and Boston, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nigel, in both Arizona and Boston, he had regular seasons and postseasons that, to me, qualify him for getting into the Hall of Fame. I know it was late, but he was dominating late, and he won championships. He won yes. championships. right? He was, you know, the bloody sock alone ought to get him into the Hall of Fame. 
he's not in the Hall of Fame. And then he, you know, wrote a letter, screaming letter about don't even put me on the ballot anymore. Not in, but got got to 71%. He got, yeah, he got high. So that there's a chance that they'd let him in next year in his last opportunity before the veterans. You come back to integrity and you start to wonder, are they just the keepers of the code of baseball? And I mean, you just look at these numbers and you wonder, do we just want to see Barry Bond 61.8% because that's a stat and a number that we can control across the storyline of baseball because we don't think baseball has been protected during the actual time it's being played. There's more with Schilling. Yeah, yeah, no. And it runs to, to character with Schilling. The Hall of Fame, I'm reading from Shining Story. The Hall of Fame, in its instructions to voters, asked them to make their choices based on not only players' record and ability, but also their, quote, integrity, sportsmanship, and character. Words many voters have cited in refusing to choose steroid-tainted sluggers since the first of them, Mark McGuire, in 2007, began appearing on the ballot. Schilling, Shining writes, presented an altogether different calculus with some voters acknowledging his career record which includes 216 regular season wins, 3,116 strikeouts, and a dazzling 11-2 record and 2-2-3 ERA in the postseason, was worthy of election but opting to leave him off their ballots because of his political views and social media behavior. I think that's clear that they have done that with Curt Schilling. I had a run-in with Curt Schilling early in the days of PTI. I thought Schilling made comments about New York City that I took very personally, and I thought that they were what are now called tropes. And I didn't want to talk to him. And I think I may have threatened to walk off the set. But we talked to him. He was a guest and he was fine. And I've come around on Schilling, not on his social views, but on his, his great pitching to think that it's okay with me if he gets in. Others don't want him in at all. He has been so extraordinarily mean on certain issues of equality in American life. He has been mean about these things. And now he says, just take me off the ballot. And he says that the writers who knew him, he says, my love of this country has always been worn on my sleeve, he wrote. Um, He said, the writers who covered him know that what they are claiming is untrue, yet they quote, requote, and link to one, uh, one another story after story that began as lies and grew into bigger ones. What I wanted to get to in this is Margaret Court one of the greatest tennis players of all time, a champion, more Grand Slam wins than anyone, any woman tennis player of all time, Australian. She is now some sort of a minister in a church in Australia, and she's been nominated for an award, you know, the sort of, I guess, the Australian Legion of Honor, something like that, which you would say she deserves. If any athletes deserve these things, then she'd be one of those who deserve these things. But she preaches um, against... Uh, same-sex marriage, against homosexuality, against all of these things. She She's very vocal about it. And she has encountered a storm of protest, saying she shouldn't get this award. She does not stand for what Australia stands for. She should not get this award. I think this is a reasonable conversation to have. I really do. I think it's probably reasonable with Kurt Schilling as well. And I don't know how to resolve it. I mean, I don't... If, if you say there's a character issue, and if you find his character diminished and his character failing and his character insufficient, then I guess you can do this. I thought it was character having to do with baseball, but it couldn't be because they got guys who threw the spitter in there. You know, they got guys who cheated all the time. So I look at you, Michael, because I don't, I don't know exactly how I feel. I would be okay with chilling in the hall. I would based on what he's done, but I find his views tremendously intolerant. Yeah. And and I think, excuse me, I think it's the, the social side that we are more aware of, 
in today than we would have been in other eras. Yes. And we look at baseball, which has such a connection to money, gambling, booze, sort of this fast lifestyle that that has sort of been celebrated as very part of Americana. So it's it's tough because you start to look at the calculus behind how many times do we put the name out there before we were treated, and then do you actually think we would respect it? And it's interesting now because he puts the ball back in their hand to say, no, I'd actually request to be taken off this because they don't have to oblige him, right? They can no. keep putting him out there Absolutely. And letting, him, letting him just run through the numbers. Dude, until that's they it. So he's got one more year before right. he goes to the uh, Veterans Committee. Nigel, you're a big uh, Sox fan. How do you feel about Schilling in the hall? Well, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think he, he deserves to be in there. Um, it's an interesting line that they draw in the sand. I mean, I think his character issues are different than, say, a Pete Rose. You know, it's not cheating. It's not of, cheating or gambling. Yeah. No, no. These are these are different. These are yeah. much larger than baseball issues. You know, and yeah, I, that's so, what I wonder about. Yeah, so. it's just it's it's I think it's really dangerous territory if you're thinking, well, we don't agree with this guy's politics. And, I, and I'm with you. Listen, I, I, what he is. He's a very problematic guy when it comes mm -hmm. to social media. He said a bunch of stuff that you're like, oh, my goodness. If you would just please be quiet, you'd be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he, so, he thinks it's more I, important not to be quiet. And he has yeah. these rights. These are his yes. rights. I mean, you can't yes. you can't deny people their rights because you don't agree with what they're saying. You can't do that. Right. But but when you said he was such an important pitcher, I mean, he helps the the Arizona Diamondbacks win that series in in one yep. and the Red Sox in 04. Yep. I mean, and he's yep. a brilliant postseason pitcher. But I think yep. the real question is, why aren't we talking more about Latroy Hawkins and why he didn't make it in today? <laughs> Just yeah. it was I was focused on Scott Rowland. I'm like, come no, on, no, go, go down the list. But Dan Heron <laughs> should get in just for his self awareness. Twitter handle <laughs> I throw eighty eight. <laughs> like man, he gets no votes at all. Jeff Kent. Doesn't get the, the votes. Jeff Kent's a better player than Scott Rowland. Jeff Kent, by the way, Jeff Kent has more home runs than any second baseman in history. Three seventy-seven. Uh, you know, yeah, he said. Was, you know, people the people don't like him. Yeah, he that's was, personal. He was yeah, yeah, people don't like him. I just, it's just Billy Wagner. Really, Billy Wagner? Okay. <laughs> Pretty soon, the the Beltway Mitterrand will be on this. We'll see how he does. So we'll take a break. We'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, Jason Locken, four of CBS Sports, will join us, and we'll talk some football. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the TurboTax Live ad. You're one of a kind, and so are your taxes. That's why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. What, whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live tax experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that your one-of-a-kind, uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. I've said this before. That's a well-written ad. That, 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 that sells them very well, explains your options very well, and has a certain degree of humor to it. It's very well done. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, 
interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us from James in Ashburn, Virginia, who writes, Attached to two songs by my cousin Kelly Neff from her album About Face, which can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, etc. I'd be grateful if you'd play one or both on an upcoming episode. This plays in Jason Lock and Four. It's called Two Black Crows. He'd also appreciate if he could be the official protective agent for the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'll send a third email with a picture taken by Bonnie Burko at the 2013 White House Correspondence Dinner when I ignored my protectee for 20 seconds to meet and take a picture of you. I also elbowed Donald Trump in the ribs that night, but that's a story for another time. How great is that? And there is a picture of me and James in Ashburn. feel very good about that. Jason Lockenfora joins us. I, I don't... There's a thousand things we can talk about. I think you have to start with quarterbacks who may be on the market. I think you have to start with the best of them is Aaron Rodgers. What is your sense of Aaron Rodgers and and where he will be next year? Because I have put my foot right in my mouth and said he's played his last snap for the Packers. You're not. You you don't know that that's incorrect. Um, It's a long off season. This guy. um, We've talked about it before. He's a verbal assassin. He uh, is in the um, dirty looks slash body language Hall of Fame. <laughs> he uh, he is uh, he's got a black belt in, in passive aggressive behavior, and yes. he loves to be the story. Even though he would convince you all night and day that he wants nothing to do with the media, and would you know just just wants to play football and live like a hermit? Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. He lit a powder keg, watched it explode, and then was like Steve Urkel. Did I do that? Um, <laughs> so I don't know where it's going. Um, he's going to be able to exert leverage on a couple of fronts as he sits back and watches ever so closely how this organization tries to. Um, put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Do they, do they franchise tag the running back? Do they do whatever they can to keep the pieces that they have? Um, do they keep that defense intact? Even though when you spend as much money in one free agent class as they did, and you guys know, you, you, you saw Dan Snyder doing it in Washington several times. Yep. That's a two-year proposition, three years at best, before the credit card bills come due. And this year, the cap's not going to be what anybody projected it to be. Um, does this coach have real mea culpas? Um, do they kiss his ring? Do they run at him to restructure the contract and tell him how they're going to maximize the last couple years of his prime? Or don't they? And if they don't, he can make life difficult for them any time he pleases, which he's already displayed by using the R word, retirement. Or saying that, you know, hey, Dak Prescott just got his $42 million. I'm not, you know, this, I, I, I'm not playing for peanuts for you guys. So I would just say stay tuned, Tone. I, I okay. can tell you this, and I wrote a column about this. It's on CBSSports.com right now. He, whether he wants to admit it or not, he sent a direct signal to other front offices and other head coaches by doing what he did Sunday night. And that signal was interpreted by really everybody I've talked to. Coordinators, coaches, 
personnel people, agents for other prominent quarterbacks who have seen their clients display similar behavior in the past. He was sending a distinct signal, come get me. I'm not long for this. I'm not married to these guys. I've got the power, not them. And I'm sick of them wasting my, my career. They wasted three years at the beginning. Now, you know, we're, we're giving the ball to Tom Brady instead of letting me win um, championship games. Uh, I see what that guy on the other sideline has to work with. That, that ain't here. They drafted a quarterback instead of getting me somebody who can catch the football. Come get me. Okay, I agree with that. And I would also point out, and I love Aaron Rodgers, but he's in Donovan McNabb land in championship games. He's one and four at the moment. I mean, that's not, that's not that great, although I'd take him in a heartbeat. What is the latest on Deshaun Watson? What is he going to do? Yeah, it's a holding pattern there. He has let everyone know, um, and rightfully so, the disdain he had for the way this, this coaching and GM search began, um, for the way this owner has operated. But he, he has yet to go nuclear and, and say publicly or privately through himself or his agent that I'm absolutely positively categorically done with this organization. Um, even as they're going through a coaching search where it would have been really easy to come out and say that if that's what you really wanted. Uh, and, hey, you know, Leslie Frazier, Eric Bieniemy, whoever gets this job, don't, don't listen to what they say. I'm telling you, I, I respect you, but I'm out of here. Now, he may ultimately say that to whoever gets this job, and I would be really surprised if that thing isn't wrapped up by lunchtime today, although, again, that whole search has surprised a lot of people and has been anything but um, linear and logical. So stay tuned. But I think it will wrap up shortly, and there are a couple people in that mix who I still believe could connect with Deshaun Watson in a, to a degree to which – he's at least willing to give it a shot playing for them. Maybe that okay. won't be the case. Um, but I, I would say let's wait and see who that coach is, if that coach is able to build a bridge to the quarterback. And, you know, we'll, we'll know more by very early February in all likelihood. Let me name a couple of more names. How would you like to be standing in the shoes right now of Jared Goff, where the GM said uh, he's a Ram right now? He's a Ram right now. How'd you like to be standing in the shoes of Jimmy Garoppolo? They're very expensive shoes, you know. (laughs) Yes, they are. He was more than willing to take that contract that they put in front of him as yeah, 110 million guarantee. He should have been, Um, and they locked into a draconian contract structure that does them no favors um, as an organization in terms of having a shred of flexibility to, to truly be able to maneuver that position the way they would like. Um, but Tony, he lost his job to Walford. Like you, you can couch it any way you want. You can, you know, tell me whatever was said to broadcasters and production meetings. And you could tell me, you know, talk to me about injuries and this or that. I'm telling you, the reality is they thought they had a better chance to win games with the entire season on the line, playoff games, with Walford running around, moving the spot, um, you know, RPOs, open up the run game, boot him out, waggle him, make stuff happen outside the pocket, short and intermediate, than they did with the $100 million quarterback. That's just a fact. Well, then I think he's probably, his days are numbered there. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? They had us talk yesterday 
on PTI, me and Wilbon, about who would be a better fit there. And they listed two other quarterbacks, of course. They listed Stafford and Watson. And I just looked at mm-hmm. the camera and I said, so Garoppolo, the guy who took them to the Super Bowl last year, he's out? Is he out? Oh, he very well could be. I mean, if, if oh. I've been reporting since the middle of the season. If Kyle Shanahan can upgrade, he's going to do it. Wow. Um, now, that doesn't mean he's going to fire Jimmy Garoppolo after the exit interview, say, you know, off with your head, because he right. still may need Jimmy Garoppolo. But this is going to be another bonkers quarterback offseason, which I think we've already hinted at through the, yep. this interview. Um, last year was crazy. This year might be crazier. Um, might have even more volume of guys available through various fronts. You know, I think you're going to see five go in the first round. You're going to see a bunch traded and you're going to have another uh, robust class of, of free agents, you know, spanning from guys at the end of their career to, um, you know, the whole Jameis Winston, young veterans, and Andy Dalton and those kind of guys all over again. So, yes, Cal Shanahan is going to actively mine a lot of those possibilities, and if there's something that looks realistic for him and looks like an improvement to him, he will have zero reservations about doing it. Um, and they are at a point in the contract with Garoppolo where the guaranteed money is all paid out. They're, they are not in the kind of bind that the Rams are in financially. Okay. And they right. could easily move on from that player in that contract. Okay. Matthew Stafford has been statistically a very, very productive yep. quarterback. He's only had four winning seasons, though. He has won no playoff games. I watch him play, and I think, boy, he's good. But they never win. They yeah. never win. Where does he end up in your mind? I mean, I think, I think well, half the league would be better off with Matthew Stafford oh, yeah. than what they've got. I think Matt Stafford's one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL by the fan at large. And I think you're, you're going to find out what the league thinks of him because there's going to be a, a feeding frenzy, um, or at least a, a, a mitigated feeding frenzy because, again, no one even knows exactly what the cap is yet. We're in a very uncertain, weird year when it comes to your ability to spend because of the impact the pandemic had on revenue and how much can the NFL and NFLPA find a way to artificially jack this thing up. Despite all that, I still think you're going to see, you know, at least a half dozen teams make a real concerted effort to get Matt Stafford. And, you know, you talked about wins and losses. I mean, what's, what's Barry Sanders' win-loss record, you know? Whole, bad. whole career bad. in Detroit. That's right. Cut That's it short right. early, said, I'm going to leave in my early prime rather than go out on a wheelchair in my late prime, because we ain't winning anything around here anyway. You know, for my money, Calvin Johnson's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, You watched him week in, week out with that crew around him, and you're like, this guy's different than everybody else. Like, dudes that size shouldn't be able to do what he did. He cut it early because I ain't winning anything here, and I've made my money, and this really isn't fun anymore. So I think you have to sort of apply a Detroit Lions standard, and you know, Matt Stafford's had a couple of years where he's probably had, you know, above replacement level defenses, but most years not. I don't know that he's ever had even a replacement level run game with any degree of consistency. Um, I think he is a hell of a quarterback. I think he's um, as tough as they come. And I think, you know, he's been let down by that organization, and it's time for him to go. And I think the Indianapolis Colts make a whole lot of sense in a whole lot of ways, and they have enough money to spend where they could go get Stafford for basically what they paid uh, Rivers a year ago. And you know what? Hey, let's go get Kenny Galladay, too. You know, if the Lions are going younger and cheaper um, and they're trading their quarterback, then, 
even if they tag Galladay, they'll probably just do a tag and trade. Um, so let's go do that. Keep keep uh, Hilton. We've got we can run the ball. We've got a couple of tight ends that we like. We've got a stout defense, and we'll draft the left tackle in the second round. And let's go try to win a title. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, I believe I think I'm right in this. I believe that the last time we spoke before the conference championships, you were leaning towards Brady. You were leaning towards yes, Brady sir. to win that game. So congratulations yeah. on that. But let me ask you the Got question, I guess, well, cred, this is... Though. Street cred with the kids Well, that's there, what I, I think. Yeah. Here's what I don't... I, how is it possible at 43? He is the greatest older athlete in yeah. any sport of all time. Of yeah. all time. You look around at people a few years younger, like Breeze and Roethlisberger, they can't throw the ball 20 no. yards anymore. No. He can go. D- How is it possible, Jason? Um, he's a football cyborg, 24-7, 365. Um, the older he gets, the harder he works. And um, it's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. You may think it's a cult. Um, others may think it's a cult, but this TB12 thing works for him. And he has come up with this sort of template for life. Um, and his sort of, uh, credo on how to best manage his mind and body throughout the entire calendar year. And I think he's completely obsessed with it. And I think he is sort of as, um, OCD about football as Bill Belichick is, you know, Belichick from the coaching side of it, this from the playing side of it. I think he's consumed by it. And I I think he has an incredibly powerful mind and he has willed himself to believe that as long as I keep doing what I'm doing and adding a little bit to that regimen every off season, um, I can do this till I'm 45, 46, whatever. And, and I don't think, uh, you know, short of just continuing to win to the point where it gets boring, I don't think much is going to happen that changes that. I mean, maybe Giselle convinces him otherwise, but I mean, this has been going on for a while. I think the fact that everybody can be down in Florida now and it's warm year round and um, they kind of have a new home anchor down there. Um, I don't know, Tony. He he's just wired differently. I, I I just think he's his his competitive his compete level and his mindset is to win every single day like it's a football game, even though in the best of years he's only play, you know he's only spending twenty of three hundred and sixty five days actually playing competitive football in a game that that matters in the standings. What do you think? I mean, I I thought early on Bruce Arians was a dope for some of the things that he said publicly about Brady, but that seems to be better now. Do you you concur that it is better now? Has Arians moved off a position, or was he always this way? No, I mean, I think, you know, and we talked about it midseason. Tom knew what he was getting into, um, and he's not averse to being coached hard. Trust me, nobody was harder than him. In, in private, and by private I mean away from the media cameras, but not private and, you know, only him and Bill in the room. I mean, he would flog Brady in front of the whole team. I mean, he would go out of his way to denigrate Brady any chance he got in front of the group to prove his ultimate point, which is nobody's bigger than the Patriots, nobody's bigger than me. Um, 
you know, we're all here to win at all costs and nobody's all that special. Um, and, you know, after 20 years, Tom got sick of that. Um, B.A. will do things publicly that Belichick wouldn't do. Um, privately, though, he's not the taskmaster that Belichick is. Um, he was set in his ways for a while, but as they got, you know, into the third quarter of the season, they had that late bye, remember, week 13? Yep, yep. They did course correct. They did start throwing to the running backs more. They did start um, having more of an emphasis on staying balanced. They, they, they did start um, – they weren't living in the shotgun as much, which means you can sell – play action more. They used more motion, still not probably as much as they could, but a little bit more. And it wasn't quite the emphasis on three or more verts on every pass pattern. It wasn't vertical, vertical, no risk it, no biscuit all the time. That's still a part of their ethos. But there was a meeting of the minds. There, there was more of an emphasis on protecting Brady and emphasizing some of the short and intermediate passes. Um, and it's, it's, it's worked. Saying all that, Tom Brady had a bad second half. And if the defense, yeah, you know, it took really yep. Herculean stuff from the defense to bail yep. them out yep. or they wouldn't be playing in this game. So he, he looked 43 in the second half. Some of those backs, you know, throwing off the wrong foot, leaning back, no leverage, you know, kind of throwing up lame ducks. Um, but now he's got two weeks to prepare for this game. He doesn't have to leave his house. He doesn't have to leave the, pra- you know, the practice field and the creature comforts that they know. And as much as I think the Chiefs are the better team, that Kansas City offensive line has to be keeping Andy Reid up at night right now. And you saw the way Todd Bowles was able to get pressure while still playing a lot of zone, throwing different concepts at you in the secondary, and not having to unleash six or seven guys to make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. Um, I'll be fascinated to see how balanced Andy Reid stays. I bet we end up, after this game, talking about the run game much more than we do going into it. Uh, and, and um, you know, the screen game, I think, will be huge. But that, that Tampa Bay front four, especially with Vita Vea now having two more weeks to kind of get healthy. Sue's played better down the stretch. He gets up for big games, and you know they've got Barrett and JPP on the outside. That, that Kansas City offensive line was already starting to break down in last year's Super Bowl. And they're without three key starters, you know, one from an opt-out, two, the two tackles from injury. You're playing reserves. You're playing seventh-round picks in a Super Bowl um, in another team stadium, you know, in the, in the other team stadium. With that front four, that could be a thing. Well, we'll talk to you next week before the game. Thank you, Jason. Plug you your radio it, show for Thank us. You. Plug your radio show. Plug, oh, yeah, plug, plug. sure. Um, if you're not sick of listening to me babble, uh, you oh, can hear it. more from myself <laughs> and Ken Wyman. Um, Ken's dog, Brucey, named after the boss because who in the media, sports media, doesn't love Bruce Springsteen? You won't hear that much copper, although you may in a minute. Inside access, 2 to 6 on 105.7, the fan. Plenty of O's talk, plenty of Ravens talk, plenty of NFL talk. Um, and I complain about stuff that happens in my house. Tremendous. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week, guys. Jason Lockenfora, boys and girls. He's just simply the best guest that we have. Other guests are really, really good. He's the best. He knows his stuff. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll do a news segment when we return. Gary and Jeannie will be with us. Jeannie apparently wants to talk about condiments. This is very important. I hope Michael is ready I'm because it, it, feels like, <laughs> it feels like something's coming at Michael in the next segment. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
This is the Policy Genius ad. If getting life insurance is on your to-do list for 2021, Policy Genius can help you cross it off with ease. Policy Genius makes it easy for you to compare more than 30 top insurers at once and save over 50% of the process. Just go to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting as it, at as little as $1 a day. You may even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything. Make it the year you finally cross life insurance off your list and you get protection for your loved ones. So go to policygenius.com and get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes and start the new year with one less thing to worry about. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Kelly Neff. This is from her album About Face. This is called A Long Way Home. This is sent to us by her cousin, James in Ashburn, who has a P.S. And I think I'm going to read this, but I don't know who he's talking about. He says, P.S. Please tell Kramer and Reese to eat it. I don't know who they are. <laughs> They're friends. I guess. Got to be listeners. I guess. So that's interesting. So if people like Kelly Neff want her music played on the air, original music, Michael, how does that happen? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com, where you can send your own postscript to taunt your friends. Yes, that's right. You can do that. I'll read just about anything because I'm too stupid to understand the implications. Yeah. Yes, Ron Burgundy. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we're going to do a news segment. Jeannie and Gary are with us. Nigel handles this. Nigel picks the news stories. But I think before we want to do that, Jeannie has talked for a couple of weeks about wanting to get into the, I don't know that it's the condiment war, but I think you have some stuff about condiments perhaps aimed at Michael. I, I'm not exactly sure. Why are sure. you so happy about this? Well, I just want to know what it's like. No, I mean, no. And Gary, Gary also is a very good cook. I mean, we now have three people who are very good cooks, Michael, Jeannie, and Gary. So go ahead. I'm not targeting Michael. Okay. I, and I wouldn't call it a war. I would call it a condiment discussion. Okay. So here is my philosophy about condiments. They should be used to enhance food, not to smother or obliterate the flavor of food. So corollary one, the closer a food is to its original state, the fewer the condiments. Corollary two, the further a food is from its original state, the more condiments are acceptable. Now, the perfect example of that is a hot dog. What can't you put on a hot dog? Mustard, ketchup, relish, onions, sauerkraut, chili. But back to corollary one, to put ketchup on an egg is a crime against nature. To put ketchup on a good steak, I completely agree with the woman who would not allow her husband to do that. But that's a good steak. Now, there's also a steak in a cheese steak. As for the grilled cheese, I feel about the grilled cheese as I feel about pizza. Just put it hot and cheesy and in front of me. That's all I care about. Any questions? Yes, I have to be fair. This is someone who grew up on the sweet, sweet Lito's pizza. Right. (laughs) 
So you you like sweet things, Gene? No, right? no, no. I, I was just referencing a local pizza chain. I think we are in agreement. Now, again, when I'm using ketchup on eggs, it's an egg sandwich, which I believe goes to corollary too, and is also in the category of say a Chicago dog or that or that cheesesteak scenario. So is this a bad time to mention that I just picked up a new artisanal ket- or mayonnaise from Japan? Oh, so you, have you already left? Dukes? No, no, no. What, I'm what's just that I'm, about. This is it's called Kewpie. Have you heard of this? Have not. It's only made with the egg yolk, and I think it might have rice vinegar in it, and maybe some MSG. Can I can I just establish for those of us who aren't smart enough to know, condiments? Would we agree, Gene? Ketchup, relish, mayonnaise, mustard. Are they the basic condiments? Yes, I think so. Okay, so you are Japanese mayonnaise. I'm not sure where where I put that. It's it's a little (laughs) above my pay grade. Spices don't qualify as condiment. I mean, condiment has to be in somewhat of a liquid form. So hot sauce. Okay, now a hot sauce it should be disallowed from any table. So for not to complicate the conversation, but according to Oxford languages. Condiment, the noun condiment, is a substance such as salt or ketchup that is used to add flavor to food. Salt is a condiment? Salt and pepper uh, are according to According to the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, what does Oxford know anyway? They're saying any substance. Yeah, they're British. Used... They don't even cook well. They, they that's, that's don't have any point. idea what fair they're point, doing. Your Honor. Well, that's well, why they don't have condiments. I take issue well, with that. The one, HP thing sauce. That, one thing that you, you all have <laughs> not talked about is, is having is having a nice uh, Heinz 57 on halibut, which makes the halibut, <laughs> just makes that flavor just pop out at you. So, you so know, but talk, I, I want to get to this. argument's I, pretty compelling. So, Jeannie, I, just so, I, so I'm sure on this, let's take fish, for example. Fish is almost always in its, close to its natural state. That's right. Right? So the, the least amount of stuff goes on that. And yet when you order sushi... Um, it is the wasabi, it's always seemed to me, that sort of makes it interesting and edible. Am I wrong on that? Well, I would disagree with that. I don't think you're wrong. Okay. But to me, wasabi obliterates the flavor yeah. of the sushi. Oh, okay. So, therefore, wasabi I put in the hot sauce category. Yes, it's a condiment, but it should not be used on a primary food source. Okay, there, but There should be a pop-up episode on this, clearly. I mean, we need more time on this. The condiment sure manifesto. Well, well with hot sauce, you have some hot sauce that are more, they're more chemical tasting versus flavor. Right, right. I don't use hot sauce at all. I don't. I Yet don't. every Passover, you put enough horseradish out on the table. To I, well, I use horseradish. Your... I don't consider horseradish hot sauce because horseradish, correct me if I'm wrong, Gene, isn't horseradish a natural? It's, it's a natural. Root. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it is. I mean, you're not, that's not chemically manufactured. Well, pepper based uh, sauce is natural. Grated. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I so. once knew a man who owned a horseradish farm. Oh, I thought you were going to that do a That sounds like a Coen yeah. Brothers movie <laughs> set up or yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Nigel, go ahead. Let's have news. Uh, let's start off with the association, Mr. Tony. Um, the first meeting between. Uh, John Wall and Russell Westbrook last night as the Wizards traveled to Houston, and it was Wall and company uh, triumphing over the Wizards. 107-88, Wall led uh, everyone on Houston with 24 points. Bradley Beal had 33 points, Russell Westbrook 19, and apparently there was a lot of trash talking and uh, double technicals were called on Wall and Westbrook at one point. um, It looked like Westbrook wanted to punch Wall in the face. 
Yeah. And Wall Wall was doing things like driving to the lane and going behind his back all the way around to make a basket. And Westbrook was not happy with, with that, I don't think. Is that was that your sense of it, Gary? Agreed. Westbrook Agreed. Was, and, yeah. and Wall was uh Wall seemed to be really enjoying himself. I mean, he was smiling year yes. to year as, as particularly in the fourth quarter as he was as the Wizards were were blowing the game and um and he was getting under their skin, but to me, well, the Tony, Wizards don't have any of their players, so no, okay. they don't. They don't. I mean, they they are fielding a team, but yeah, they're they're yeah. the the COVID thing has um, has thinned them out. But um, n- neither of those guys, it was sort of the, it was a little bit sad to me to watch. I mean, neither Wall had a very good game, a twenty four point, and as Nigel said, like I think a five assist game. But neither of those guys is who they were two or three years ago. At least they weren't last night. Um, Wall still, like you always said, it was a track meet with Wall, and he's yeah. was still very yeah. fast. But he, um, a couple years removed from that injury, is just like is just not quite the guy he was. Which I guess is why the Wizards felt like they could make that move. But well, Russ Wall too, was man. very Wall talked after the game. I saw this clip where he said, "Look, they looked at me, they watched me play. They didn't think I was good enough, and they got rid of me." He's a hundred percent right. And they also got rid of him because Bradley Beal can't play with him. And maybe he can play with Russell Westbrook. And I think Westbrook's a better player than Wall, but maybe that's not true anymore either. But neither of those teams are going anywhere. No. Nope. Right? Fast. <laughs> Jeannie, you don't watch I, sports I don't know anymore, that the Wiz right? will make 9-20, and 20, Tone. They're 3-10. and 10. Uh, Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> yeah. I, Tony, Jeannie, I, watched, I watched the football playoffs this weekend with great interest. That, those were my, that's the first time I've dipped back into the sports world since the pandemic began. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I I didn't I watched a little bit of the Wizards last night and it had I have to be honest, it had no particular allure for me. None. I mean, I don't know anybody who's actually on the Wizards anymore and I don't care about Houston. Houston was James Harden just trashed them. Westbrook yeah. didn't trash them, but they both left. Okay, what else, Nigel? Uh, Philadelphia Phillies keeping JT Realmuto with a five-year, $115 million deal. Uh, his $23.1 million a- average and average annual value makes him the highest-paid catcher in Major League Baseball history. Bad news for the, the Nats. The Nats have improved themselves. The Nats have a good reliever. The Nats have a first baseman. The Nats have an outfielder in Schwarber. They have improved themselves. They have one-year deals. Yeah, bat. Uh, they, they've improved themselves. But the Mets have improved themselves even more. They've got Francisco Lindor and Trevor Bauer, and this was a very big signing for the Phillies. This is a great division. It is possible. and I mean, I think mathematically it cannot work out that, uh, that all the teams are above 500 in that division. But if there was ever any division where you would say they could all be above 500, this is the, the division, right, Michael? They're all good. Must watch. And, and all these moves just come back to the team that's won the division the last few years, which is the Braves. And they still have a couple of, of moves that they have to make. But you look at their starting lineup, they could all get hot. And you could see a two- or three-month stretch in the middle of the summer where they are unbeatable as well. But this was a must-resign for Philly. As soon as Bryce Harper said, I want this done, it had to be done. And Real Muta did basically what Harper did, which was he set a new standard for his position, which was, which was good to see for players. Yeah. Gary, your it's thoughts? A good time. You your I thoughts? just think it's a good time to be the best player at your position, as this guy has been the last couple of years. I mean, just do, I mean, rem, let me remind you, Kirk Cousins was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for an hour and a half, if you remember that. It's like, God, yes, and it know, hasn't translated into any wins. No, you know, it, it hasn't. hasn't. But, but my point is just, just financially, it is an yep. excellent time to be very good at your position. 
And I think, by the way, you- I, I, I'm not I'm not a killer on math, but I think it is at least mathematically possible for everyone. Is- I mean, if everyone won every game out of the division and then split every game in the division, wouldn't they all be over right. 500? Yeah, but I don't know how many games they're going to play this year. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't believe at this point they're going to play 162. I don't believe spring training is going to start. Arizona doesn't seem to want They don't want Arizona, doesn't want any players. They don't want any teams. They don't want it. They've offered to host the Olympics now. Really? You didn't see that? Florida Florida offered to host the the 2021 Olympics if if Tokyo bails out, even though with – uh, even though with a, a, a fifth of the people, they have three times the or five times the COVID deaths or something like that. Yes. Peak what Florida. What do we make of DeSantis, the governor there? Gene, the, he he's, seems to be out on his own and, and having people show up publicly and do all these sorts of things. I think I read... I think I read that he was Harvard undergrad and Yale Law School. I mean, I... Yeah, well, that's... You know, I, to me, that's the kiss of death these days. <laughs> okay. The higher right. your Ivy League degree, the more trouble you're in. But uh, he's just... He's been absolutely defiant of COVID yes. regulations. And, and people are dropping like flies in Florida and yet, you know, still seem to support him. I, I just don't get it. You're right, John. Yeah, Yale like, undergrad, Harvard Law. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. I thought it was yeah. the other way around. But well, I mean, he's a Cotton and Jack and Holly and yeah, you know, Cruz. Welcome to the club. Yeah, he's a guy. He's like the captain they of the ship, elites, don't they? And he's just full speed ahead, full speed ahead, no matter what. I don't care how many people we're losing. Just throw the bodies off the side. Vaccine vacations. Well, wow. all right. What else, Nigel? Uh, Mr. Tony, a troubling story coming out of San Antonio, Texas, uh, where. Yesterday, a truck owned by a B, excuse me, a B removal business was having difficulty navigating a turn connecting Interstate 10 and Interstate 35. The truck tipped over and was hauling at least 400 beehives, each hive holding an estimated 20 to 25,000 bees. At Ooh. least a thousand bees what? escaped. Yes. Now, uh, they say at least a thousand bees. Was somebody actually counting them? This could have been a hundred thousand bees. They have no way of knowing. Bumping yeah, are, these the, are these the bad bees or the good bees? No, these are, these are like the honey bees. <clears throat> these are good bees, and they were on their way to pollinate in California. Bees are yes. wonderful pollinators, and I think I read that the, best. the almond farmers that really need bees this time of year. Yes. So uh, were they well, able to— 10 million to, running free now. What, were they able to gather what percentage of the bees were they able to regather and send them on their way to the almond farmers? None, 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 because yeah. they killed them the, with foam from the fire trucks. Yes, they had to call. Uh, yeah, they oh. said none. None. none so were it's recovered. a disaster. So that breakout oh, went you, bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a right. bee disaster. Well, for those that the bees, for those of the bees that escaped, you know they're living the high life right now, right. but. Thousands and thousands of their comrades did not make it out. Now, there's this comment from Rick Fink, who is the president of the Alamo area. Fink's brother. (laughs) The president of the Alamo area beekeepers association. Now, just as a side note, how big do we think that association is? And I'm not trying to cast aspersions onto the Alamo area beekeepers association, but how do you think? 10 to 12. 10 to 12. (laughs) That's it. 10 to 12. He said, it saddens me from the standpoint of the loss of the bees. I am glad no people were hurt, but it definitely saddens me from that standpoint. Need a 30 for 30 on this. 
Yes, I think so. What else? You got anything else? Or is that it? Uh, We could probably end there. We could probably. Did you want to hear about the. It's going that well, huh? Well, do you want to hear about. I just didn't know if you wanted to go to the blokes paying $55 million each. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So if with for just $55 million, you too could be flying into space and spending a week at the space station. I guess the International Space Station, as they call it. This is Larry Connor, a managing partner for the uh, for a real estate investment firm based in Ohio. Mark Pathy, uh, a Can- who's the head of a Canadian investment firm. And Aitan Stibbe, who is a former Israeli Air Force fighter pilot, will lift off from the Kennedy Space Center aboard SpaceX Dragon. It'll be scheduled for an eight-day stay on the International Space Station. It'll be accompanied by Michael Lopez Alegria, who is a former NASA astronaut who flew to space four times. So is this something Jean, that's on your What are your list? thoughts on that? Would you do my, that, Gene? My thoughts. I want to be a fly on the wall when these three big, rich egos Alphas. are trapped in a state, space station for eight days. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I my sense of this is if I you know anybody who can do this for fifty five million dollars has a lot more than fifty five million dollars you wouldn't bankrupt yourself for this, but unless I'm crazy, the you have to be in tremendous physical shape to be able to withstand this and thrive in this. The Israeli Air Force guy and the astronaut fine, but these other two guys, what'd you say the names were, Connor and Pathy? These <laughs> yes, two guys, are they yes. are they in good shape or what you know it? they got a year to get ready. Father. Well, what? One of one of grandfather. Two are grandfathers and the other has two are grandfathers and the other has the other has three uh, young children. I'm looking at a photo of them right now. They all appear to be in fairly good shape, you know. I mean, okay. I suppose they're wearing the size, you know. I mean, actors, ways. you know, actors spend six months getting ready for a role or something, working out around the clock. I assume with that kind of money, these guys can do that to get in the shape they need to do. I just think, I mean, it's two hundred fifty miles away. I could drive there in three and a half hours. It's like I, I, there's still places here I want to go. Yeah, it's like seems like a lot of money for a short trip. And I, I think I'm we just, agree the most. I was going to say the most important thing for these three novice astronauts, and it's important for the rest of us who are considering doing this kind of adventure, is that they must leave a very detailed Yelp review after this so we can all find out <laughs> yeah. exactly what the pros and cons are of everything at the space station. I, I it's the way know. of the future, man. This, this, I uh, wouldn't do it. This I'm consumer space this. travel thing. That's where it's Really, headed. Tony, you wouldn't do this? That's shocking. No. You wouldn't? No, not you wouldn't me. Just, you I'm wouldn't pretty sure I read the this Earth? story in, in a Snoopy adventure to Walker and the Hammer <laughs> that was done with NASA, where Marcy and Peppermint Patty help him train, and he's just eating a sandwich the entire time. Yes. <laughs> Sounds no. great. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we will come back. We'll come back with email and a jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a Zip Recruiter ad. It's finally a new year. Time to reassess your business goals for 2021 and determine the resources you will need to achieve them. And that's where ZipRecruiter.com/slash Tony comes in. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over a hundred top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to send you the most qualified people for your job. It is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. 
That's ZipRecruiter, Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. A lot easier to spell Tony than ZipRecruiter. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, I don't know, but I've been told Making grilled cheese with butter is kind of getting old You slather it up, you gotta slap it down If the bread don't burn, you get a golden brown Oh my, my, oh hell yes Michael was right, I must confess Wine by the sink, frying's going on Hunger for my sandwich, cause it won't be long Grilled cheese with mayonnaise Michael's right, it's not so strange if I had that. <laughs> I've tried one with two sunny and I'm trying to open helmets next. Use the TK Mayo code, people. Steve Lipton, Springfield, Virginia, writes, I couldn't let Joe Arrow have all the Mayo fun since he's a big Tom Petty fan. Here's a hearty grill of cheesery to Joe and all the Littles. That's a wonderful song. Brilliant. Wonderful song. That'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, Nigel has to do the Bethesda Bagels ad. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You would as well. We got the bagel sandwiches today. We're very excited about that. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then stop on in and you will be thrilled. And Michael gave us the, the lyrics to a Dion song. Here's my story. It's sad but true. It's about a girl that I once knew. Took my love and ran around with every single guy in town. Yeah, I should have known it from the very start. This girl will leave you with a broken heart. Now listen, people, what I'm telling you, keep away from runaround Sue. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lock and Ford, Gene McManus, Gary Braun. Thanks to our sponsors today, Policy Genius, TurboTax, ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Olivier or Oliver Favreau, Darlene from Comcast now holds the clubhouse lead for Michael's inheritance in the event he purchases a Subaru. That's true. Uh, from Scott Moffat in Richmond, for Virginia. Day. It's my 40th birthday. This was last week. So Mike Gundy and I finally have something in common. Do I still need to call and tell you it's my birthday? If so, please have Nigel give me the best number. I'm not rich, so dialing 912 won't work. From Ron in Maryland. A friend who was a Met fan lamented the signing of George Springer by Toronto. I replied perhaps Springer wanted to play in a Midwestern town. My friend looked at me confused. I need to get out more. From Mike Schuster in South Bend, Indiana. Since the podcast included sharing of urinal stories, I thought I would share my most memorable one. It happened during a visit to Chatter for one of your high-quality podcasts. During a break, I walked down past the muralless wall to the remodeled bathroom. As I stood there, you stepped up to the one next to me. Before I could fully consider the awkwardness, you apologized that I had to stare at the poster of Junior. There's a poster of Junior there, and then it was torn down, I think, by Junior. (laughs) From Glenn Rifkin. I heard your very gracious comments about me in my email. I didn't expect you to read it on your podcast, but it was a pleasant surprise, and your kind words were appreciated. Well, he was right, and I was wrong. It's pretty simple. From uh, Matthew Halleck in Victoria, British Columbia, but really always from Winnipeg, he writes, I'd assume that the glorious but short-lived chatter ride, you would have had you staying you clear of the culinary game. You can imagine my surprise when on my walk to fetch white wine for the fiancé, I came across the soon-to-open eatery in the pictures attached. I am surprised you chose Victoria, British Columbia, Canada for your glorious return. 
what were the certain show's favorite disdain for Canadians. And he sends me a picture of something called TK's Eatery and Chatterhouse. Oh, not Shinebox 2? TK's, no, <laughs> TK's Eatery and Chatterhouse. It's a bistro market featuring tapas. Isn't that amazing? That's just mocking you and Wilbon. To some degree. <laughs> From Harley Griffiths, uh, a loyal little in Chicago via New Rochelle, New York. The Aaron Sweater and Skechers. It's not fashion, it's comfort. The show's open on Friday brought back such fond memories of my first time in Ireland, March 2019, a year before this global nightmare. My father and I, also named Harley, spent some time in Donegal, where I bought my own Aaron sweater. My father went to boarding school in Ireland at Clongo's Wood College in the 60s, and he had some good stories. I'm interested in seeing if any of your other listeners attended Clongowes, C-L-O-N-G-O-W-E-S, at some point. Not all of us have the pleasure of knowing Rufus Peabody. Mm -hmm. Love the connective tissue of this show. So that's very, very nice. Um, Christopher Yost. I wanted to tell you that I finally had my David Aldrich moment twice. When reading the holiday card and email from Graham Van Hook, I sat and listened, and I said, hey, I know him. He's my best friend. We've served together three times over 13 years in the Navy, and we talk every day while I love him. I believe his card and email were sent out of jealousy because of the two email that I had read over the summer. I also cannot live through one more story about his high school years spent with Rufus Peabody. Not a single one more. I also haven't been able to figure out how he discovered your address in the first place, <clears throat> and I think more time needs to be spent on that by Nigel. I didn't go to school with Rufus, but I did go to school with a girl named Lisa, who's an executive at Skechers. Fortunately, you don't need any more <laughs> shoes because I haven't talked to her in years. Your show has been a large part of Graham and my friendship over the years, and it has pulled us through multiple deployments together. I love him and his wife, Katie, and we all love you, and all I can say is thank you and eat it, Graham. And this is Lieutenant Commander Chris Yost. United Thank States you. Navy. Jim Flynn, Colbert, Connecticut. I make excellent spaghetti sauce. When people ask me for the recipe, I tell them to watch The Godfather. Clemenza shows Michael how to make spaghetti sauce, much to the disdain of Sonny. That's how I learned. Clemenza adds sugar to the sauce, just a bit. Just You're going to argue with Clemenza? Eh? Glenn Warner in Parkton, Maryland. I was listening to Michael's cooking tips. I'd like some clarification. Do you put the grilled cheese in cold water first and then bring it to a boil, or do you boil the water before <laughs> we got to salt the water. In? From Rob Colpian. From Rob Colpian. The Rob Colpian. To Tony and Michael. I love the discussion between Tony and Mike on PTI about Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was not only my first sports hero, but my first hero. I was born in Georgia, and my first baseball memories were going to Braves games. My best story was as a three- or four-year-old going to a game and coming home to tell my mom all about Hank Aaron and his brother, Henry. Hank was a better player than Henry in my mind because when they announced Hank was batting, he hit a home run, but Henry always struck out. I love when you both tell stories about father and son sports experiences, sharing those times with your dad or with your son and what sports are all about. When the news was first announced, the first person to contact me was my dad. Here was his text. Presume you know that number 44 passed away today. We'll always remember when we came home to the apartments in Smyrna, Georgia from a Braves game. You said you got to see both Hank and Henry Aaron play. He didn't sign the text. He didn't have to. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? What does Max Scherzer do? Thanks. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto? <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs>
think I'm gonna go back to that town I don't even wanna have to drive through it I'll find another way around If I did or didn't see you I wouldn't know what to do or what to say But it really doesn't matter Cause I never really did like Jacksonville anyway Blessed eyes fall upon your face at the first. 